Hello everyone and welcome to Show Hoppers Lost Season 1 Episode 5 White Rabbit. I'm Kurt, joined with Mr. Sal. Hello there. And obvious spoiler warnings for Lost and some minor spoiler warnings for the leftovers up to episode five, season one, and more on that later. Mr. Sal, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you doing, Kurt? Doing pretty good. I pretty good. What are your thoughts on this latest episode of Lost? Well, I have to tell you, I was skeptical because I could tell very early on this was going to be a Jack-centric episode. Your favorite uh, character? Yeah. yeah, he is not my favorite character. <laughs> but I was very pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed the direction that they took that character uh, and most everything within the story. I, I like the episode. Not my favorite. My favorite of the season so far is still Tabula Rasa. Mm-hmm. How could it not be, honestly? Uh, but this is very good. I, I give it an 8 out of 10. I would give it a uh, 7 out of 10 on the Kurt scale. Okay, so we're, we're just about in line. Yeah, about, about in line. <laughs> we should, we got to make that conversion chart something. We really do. I, I was listening to that podcast just today <laughs> and, and where we talked about making the conversion, and I think we really need to do that. I forget about it every time. And then when we talk about it, we should really make the conversion chart. Oh, we really should. Uh, that that's that's some mathematics beyond a skill set I can't do, and I don't think you. Oh, can do I, I, I'm happy to to dive down that <laughs> rabbit hole. The rabbit and, hole. And that was a definite intended pun. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I felt so proud about this episode's title because I I figured it out mostly because um I watched it through the IMDb player and it's owned by Amazon. So like, if you like move your mouse, it shows you little fun facts and the characters yes. on screen and whatnot. And it told me what the title was. And I was like, oh, I'm so proud. Like, I'm going to know what the title means and stuff. And then then they <laughs> just say what the title means of the episode. I'm like, anyway, <laughs> we'll stop there. That was just yes. my sadness coming through. Let's get started yes. on the episode. So we start, we see your favorite character, Young Jack, getting, uh, well, he's not the one getting beat up. He's on the ground. And then he um gets this ultimatum of, leave or i'm gonna beat you up too and he doesn't leave he gets up and gets beat up i guess <laughs> yes illustration one of jack's savior complex yeah yeah so jack so far is a pretty flat character and we're gonna see i mean actually let's talk about the next scene if you want and then we'll talk yes. about his hero complex so then we cut back jack normal time and someone's drowning out in the water charlie calls for him jack Jumps right into action, takes off his shirt, goes in there, and <laughs> he doesn't save her. Sadly, he does not make it. He saves Boone, the lifeguard, trying to save her. Which in, is... a, in a just a terribly ironic twist of fate, he has to save the lifeguard. <laughs> and um, oh, th- there's some questions in that too. Whether you know, do you blame? Bo- Let's quickly take a a cut here and say, do you blame Boone? Or that girl's death. Of course not. No, course why, not. why would I blame Boone for the girl's death? He went out. He tried to save her. He mm-hmm. couldn't. Fine, mm-hmm. it happens. Jack went out, saved Boone. Okay. Uh, Jay, Jack you know, brings Boone back. That's that's the decision decision that gets made, and that's the the moral quandary of of the episode. It's not about. I don't see it as uh, Boone 
being to blame in any way. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. Okay. I, I, there's, but, a, there's an argument to be made, like, you know, Boone didn't go out. But, you know, he was he was trying to help her, and, you know, intentions were there. Yeah. By the way, I wanted to just interrupt here. You, you had mentioned uh, Jack's hero complex. Mm-hmm. I had a different take on that. I called it a savior complex. And I think there's a difference there, and, and we should get into that. Maybe not this second, but eventually. Okay. Well, no. Let's talk about that now, then. Uh, honestly, do you want... Yeah, uh, what else do you want to go into before we talk well, about that? Well, I think that there's a, the di- there's a difference between a hero and a savior. Mm-hmm. So I can agree to that. As, as a hero, I, I think there's an element of, I don't want to say conceit, but that's the first word that comes to mind. There's, there's a self-serving element. If you think of yourself as a hero, then why are you actually doing what you're doing? Are you doing it to be a hero? Because you want people to look up to you? Because you want people to think you're amazing. Whereas if you think of yourself as a savior, it's not about you. It's about saving other people. So, and I think Jack, in this case, I don't think Jack has a hero complex. I don't think he has, there's an, I don't think there's an element at all that's self-serving about the stuff that he does. I think Mm -hmm. it's completely, uh, he feels like he needs to save anybody he can save. So I would call it a savior complex rather than a hero complex. How, How do you feel about that? I didn't think about it that way. I just kind of used the word hero because <laughs> I always think of Jack as the hero character. Well, it's interesting. But he's just doing, like compulsive. Compuls- he's very compulsive about it. He just goes even at his own risk, and he he blames himself when like when the girl he couldn't save her. He told Kate how he blamed himself for making that choice to go back with Boone, not trying to save her. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of. There's a lot of guilt that goes along with a savior complex. And I think there's a lot more guilt than what goes along with a hero complex. I don't think you feel guilt that way with a hero complex. Uh, and I think that actually I, I just heard about some, a bit of research that's been done re- recently on perceptions of heroes isn't this right. interesting? I, I, I couldn't believe I heard about this research just this week after watching this episode. But you, the, a survey was done of a bunch of people uh, about imagining themselves in heroic situations. And do you think it's a big deal when you do it? And do you th- or do you think it's a big deal when other people do it? And almost universally, people didn't think it was a very big deal if they were the heroes. But they always thought it was a big deal if someone else was the hero. Okay, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the, the other uh, part of it was that there was a bit of the survey that talked about how you uh, perceive uh, other people's heroic works as being self-serving or not. And when it's you, you don't view it as self-serving, but when it's someone else, you kind of do view it as self-serving. Huh. So it was like simultaneously people... Uh, think that think more of it when it comes from someone else and less of it when it comes from someone else yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's great <laughs> it's interesting which is just another illustration of how surveys are not always the most reliable <laughs> <bit>. <laughs> uh, what, a, what, what a coincidental timing yeah yeah so uh, are you comfortable calling it a savior complex or do you think that it needs to be a hero complex no no i i think you laid it out well enough that i think savior complex is better wording than a hero complex okay chalk one up for mr sal 
<laughs> one Sal, three Kurt. <laughs> Sal, one us a zero. <laughs> That's a reference to the leftovers. If you haven't listened to that podcast, anyway, still don't get that episode title. Okay, anyway, do I? We're not gonna go down the road. <laughs> we probably should Google it. Oh no, you you did you you said what you thought it meant. Anyway, yeah, we we talked about yeah, it. But... We talked about it enough. At any rate, uh, Jack sees yep the suited man, which. Okay, I'll admit it. It was the dad. You got a spot on the notes. It was his oh, dad. Yeah. I don't know how you knew it was his dad. I don't know what gave it away. Oh, I, well, I'll tell you what gave it away. He had just mentioned, like, in the last 20 seconds, that he would became a doctor because he kind of had to mm-hmm. because it was the family business. Mm-hmm. So immediately, I'm thinking, all right, there's a family connection here. And then he sees a guy in the suit. <laughs> It's gotta be dad. And you see so of- many things when you watch TV shows. Like, I I, I saw the man in the suit when I first saw him. I was like, who's that man in the suit? <laughs> like, <laughs> I look like, who's that? Like, oh, man. Well, don't forget, again. you were like a 16 year old kid when you started watching this show, right? Oh, wow. What a commentary on 16 year old kids. Okay. Oh. Well, no, I'm just saying you don't have a probably no. as much television watching experience as a 41 year old man. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Now that I've outed my age, anyway. <laughs> uh, so he sees he sees the man, and he keeps seeing him throughout the episode. What what were your thoughts? So let's go back to what your theory was. It was that you thought he died? He was on the plane with Jack, and he died in the plane crash. Boy, I was close, wasn't I? Yeah, yeah, you you're pretty smart. I'm close. <laughs> he you were was close. dead on the plane. He just died before. <laughs> yeah, he was dead on the plane. Just. Well, no. presumably, and we have to talk about that later. We'll but, talk about that later, but yeah. he was but, dead, you were right, yep. and may or may not have been on the plane. Uh, By the way, I, I need to, as long as we're talking about the plane, and we know that uh, it was going from Australia to the United States, uh-huh. this is a completely random off-the-cuff comment here, having virtually nothing to do with the episode, but it just struck me as I'm watching this episode that Jin and Sun don't speak any English, but they were flying from one English speaking country to another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Curious. That surprises me. <laughs> you, you will. And I mean, we'll talk about Jack. We see Jack in the airport later in the episode and yes, it, it shows, it shows um, Jin for a moment in there and stuff. We will see how Jin ends up in the season, how, uh, their story, their story, getting to the plane, as we see many other characters. I mean, I imagine that's coming next episode, which is titled "House of the Rising Sun." Oh, so <laughs> there you go. But yeah, you, you'll see how they come through. That, that's true, though. Yeah, what what are two Koreans doing in Australia and flying to LAX? Doing when they speak things. no English at all. Yeah, when they speak, or no at English. least they seem to speak no English. I I believe Sun speaks no English. I believe that. Why do you think Jin speaks some English? I, I don't necessarily believe that Jin does speak English, but I wouldn't be shocked if he just all of a sudden started speaking English and he could speak the whole time and just wasn't letting anybody know that. It would shock me if Sun started doing that. Fair, fair enough. Uh, actually, uh, the, the, the very next thing is we see Sun and Jin, actually. So let's talk about them. So That's, that's why I came up. <laughs> okay. So... Okay. Yeah. so how are your feelings about Jin still? <laughs> Comes oh, he's still the, worst. still the worst. I, I, yeah. He, I'll tell you what to do. 
I, yeah, I will I will tell you what to do. What, what, what do you think of the Suns kind of worry about? So Jin's, he thinks people will come, will be fine. But Suns worry no one will come. And it obviously seems like no one's going to come for them. But also, she's worried about being estranged from the other survivors because she can't understand them. You know, we can't speak their language. We can't communicate right. with them. What, how do you think that'll turn down the road that? I think that at some point they, they're going to need to start interacting with the others. They already kind of do in this episode you know, with, with trading the fish to soil water, water yeah. uh, which I think that's going to become more and more common. They're, they're going to have to, first of all, recognize that people, if they are coming, it might be a while. Uh, second of all, that they kind of need everybody on the same page on the Island. They, they can't, Jack goes into it later in the episode and like we can't be at each other's throats. We need to work together or we're going to die. Certainly, certainly. So right. let's go a little further. We see Sawyer sitting down with his magazine, cigarettes. This man's always loaded. And if there was like a currency on the island, I feel like Sawyer would be the richest man on the island. Because he has Absolutely. like the most <laughs> Sawyer's like the high class. And, you know, you see Shannon come and he has bug spray, offers it to Shannon, makes some remarks, and says for $5,000 if they ever got off the <laughs> island. What do you think about that? What do you think about making bargains for off the island, right? Right. So I guess I didn't even make that connection that he is selling stuff on faith, basically, that if they yeah. get off the island, they they will settle up with him. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's getting people indebted to him. That well, I think, that. I think that... He's going to be, uh, he's not going to get everything that he uh, is selling for. In other words, if he sells the bug spray to Shannon for $5,000, he's not going to get $5,000 for that bug spray uh, if they ever do get off the island. But I think it's a good bet to make. You, you cast as many nets as you can, and maybe some people pay up. <laughs> so so He's a really smart economical guy, right? He is, absolutely. He, he and late, later he talks about how he traded his water to a gin. And he, his statement for that is like, it'll rain some point. Water ain't worth nothing. <laughs> right. Though. So Sawyer so definitely definitely has a economical brain on his shoulders. He does. He's got, some, he's got some business savvy. I don't know. I, I assume that I, that I do know what he was implying with Shannon originally because he yeah. said no money, you know. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 which is that, that's kind of a bit of scumbaggery on his part, but that's a Sawyer way. Oh yeah. So, but uh, having been rejected in that way, uh, he offers for five thousand dollars bug spray. Mm-hmm. So, but good for him for collecting this stuff. He kind of knew, although. I think that at some point uh, he needs to realize that he needs to get on board and, and they all need to pull resources. Having one person on the island, being being the one person on the island who has stuff. That's scary. Want, I want That is dangerous. Like, I, I don't want to be that person. Yeah, if you want to be known as the guy that has everything, people, people yeah. get mad at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine there are some people who would want to inflict some violence on him for just for that and, and mm. probably steal all his stuff I, just, I think of uh and i don't know if if <laughs> i don't want to go too deep into this territory <laughs> but i think of the elder wand from harry potter if, if you <laughs> if you have all the power and you're flaunting it uh 
somebody's gonna slit your throat in your sleep. So. <laughs> Spoilers uh, for Harry Potter. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's that's newer than this. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so back to what becomes kind of the two main conflicts of the episode that kind of occur at the same time. We see, uh, well, one one building, and one happen. Hurley and Jack are talking. Charlie comes in as well, and Jack looks really tired. And there's always, you know, a theme of Jack. He, he's kind of looking crazy, a lot like Kevin in Leftovers. He looks tired. We'll talk about that at the end of this episode. We'll talk about that at the end of this episode, certainly. So stay tuned if you want to see some... Uh, what, what did you want to call it? Oh, uh, if you're willing, I would like to call it Lost in the Leftovers. Lost in the Leftovers. Where we deeply examine the overlap between... In this case, two specific characters, Jack and Kevin. Uh, Jack from Lost and Kevin from The Leftovers. So, yeah, stick around if you want to hear that. I'm, I'm going to love talking about that because I love the characters. Well, yep. Kevin more than Jack, but Jack won Same. me over more in this episode. Anyway, though, Jack looks tired. And then Hurley and Charlie, you know, show him the issue that they have. That they're almost out of water. They got, well, I think, eight bottles of water left. But they're critically low, and they need more water, and they start pestering Jack, kind of like children to their parents. They're like, ah, da, 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 da. And Jack yeah. kind of just, like, snaps. He's like, I don't, I don't want to boss you around. I don't, I don't want to lead. And then he kind of, like, you know, leaves the tent. And from there, that, that's where Jack really starts to, like, separate himself from the people. He, like, you know, he just isolates himself, kind of starting there, and then more and more and more. So that's where the first two, con- that's where the two conflicts of this episode start. Jack... Um, dealing with his own um, inner enemies, inner demons, whatever you want to call it, and this hunt for water. Water has become scarcity, and they're getting worried. Yeah, and I, I want to mention here that actually immediately after this scene, we go right into a flashback scene <laughs> where his father is lecturing him about say, trying to save everyone. And he says <laughs> at the end of this lecture... You just don't have what it takes. <laughs> I, I do you remember this? Takes. Yes, yes, I remember, I remember this. Yeah. Okay, what, so, what, what a great dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's right up there with Jin. Uh, oh, speaking of dads, by the way, before we, and I don't know if I thought of this because it was Father's Day or what, but have you noticed that there is a significant lack of parents on this island? Yeah, the only the only person that has a child. With the, I mean, Claire might have a kid, but Michael, yeah, and anyone else have kids? Saeed has a wife. Maybe he has kids. I don't know. Maybe we don't know. He hasn't really, really shared about his wife, so I. We, I, we have not heard. We have not right. heard any characters talk about children that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the Except only person, for Michael, Michael, but... who has his kid, and then yeah, yeah, and uh, for that matter, I, one of the things I noticed was. There's not a lot of age diversity on this island. Everybody seems to be 30-something, except for Walt and Rose. And, and uh, Locke. And Locke, Locke. Locke's Locke's right. too. And Locke. I, I would say to that, uh, well, you see some, like, there's what, 47, 46? It's 46 now, right? Uh, survivors on the island. Yep. So some of the background characters, you see them, some of them look a little oldish. And, I mean, my argument to that would be, Maybe the older people were more likely to not make it, but maybe they were all first class. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, 
I don't know. I, and I suppose there, I suppose I, that was probably not fair. There are some 20 somethings on the Island as well. Yeah. Some young people, one kid. So. Yeah. But, but I, I don't think there's a whole lot of age diversity and there definitely aren't parents on this Island. It seems no. at least they're not talking about it. Anyhow, <laughs> let's get back to Jack's wonderful father telling him that he just doesn't have what it takes, which leads me to the question he basically screams at Hurley and Charlie, like, why are you bothering me with this? This is, I don't know what to do any more than anybody else knows what to do, but it definitely seems like one of two things is true. And, and let's talk about which you, which side of this you come down on. Uh, it seems like Jack either doesn't want to lead or doesn't feel like he's worthy to lead. I think it's more, uh, he doesn't want to lead because he doesn't feel like he's worthy. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can, I can, I can totally buy that. I definitely think he does not feel worthy to lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree I, with that. So he does I not think feel that we're supposed to feel that way based on the fact that the very next scene, his father is telling him, "You just don't have what it takes." And later, Jack is going to say those exact same lines: "I don't have what it takes." So. I definitely think he does not feel worthy to lead. And so therefore I think he doesn't want it. Definitely. He, he kind of hoisted himself into this leadership position from the beginning when he was running around helping people, people started, you know, cause he was telling people to do things. So people immediately listened to him. And then from there it evolved. And now he's a leader. Cause when he leaves, we later see him Saeed and Locke. They kind of like, talk to Said and Locke of, oh, what do we do? The water's kind of running low. They, they kind of defer leadership to them. Yes. Instead. So there are definitely other leadership characters. Like, I would say Said looks like a really good leader as well. Oh, I'm, I think even better than Jack, to be honest. Locke looks like a good leader. There's other good leadership characters, but Jack's the one that holds the mantle, it appears, for yeah, most people. I, I'm on the record of saying that Said is the leader in my mind. But, <laughs> right? I would agree. I think I think Said would be the better leader, yeah. Yeah, I, I've said that. But I think what's interesting about this, and this is what I love about this episode, is that Jack has this conflict between his savior complex which is almost forcing him to assume a leadership position and this uh, feeling that he's unworthy of a leadership position. And that's a, that's a substantial conflict for somebody to be dealing with within themselves. Certainly, certainly. And it, it, it eats away at him as we, we see throughout this entire episode. He just, he kind of goes buck wild. I mean, let's, let's see how he goes more wild. Right after we see that flashback scene, Boone comes up to Jack and kind of picks a fight with him, which I I don't know why he's picking a fight with Jack. I mean, maybe he's also in, like, some sort of shock and anger. This girl died. But he, he, like, really blames Jack on this. He's like, oh, why'd you save me? I was okay. I could have helped save her. Like, clearly, by the way, Boone is clearly in the wrong in my eyes here. He was, he was oh. under the water. <laughs> I, I, but here's the thing. I think Boone, this comes from a place of also feeling inadequate. Like he should have been, he should have saved her and Certainly. he couldn't do it. And here's Jack who could have, and be, but instead of saving her, he felt like he had to save Boone. And so now Boone's dealing with all this guilt too. Mm-hmm. Guilt is, by the way, a hugely common theme of this episode for sure. Lost in general and definitely of the leftovers. So we see a lot of, of guilt coming out here so i would identify this not so much as boone 
being angry at Jack, but being angry at himself and just taking it out on Jack. This mm-hmm. is this is a, a misdirected case of guilt. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I can agree to that. Certainly, yeah. I th- I think. By the way, you, one of the things the exact quote that Boone says to Jack is, "Who appointed you our savior?" Yes. <laughs> so, but, but they're the savior yeah. bandwagon. <laughs> yep. And uh, from there, Jack sees you know sees his dad again, kind of zones out Boone, and then runs. And this is this is where Jack runs into the woods and doesn't come back for a while. <laughs> Just runs in there and goes crazy. And then we, we go back to a flashback, and we see Jack talking to his mom about, oh, you got to go get your dad back. He's in Australia. Jack hasn't talked to him in two months. Uh, you know, they have a really strained relationship. And his mom kind uh, definitely actually pushes him in the same way his father did as a boy, saying, oh, come on, Jack, you have to. You, uh, what's it? Yeah, you what, have what it takes. She what she exactly said was you don't get to say you can't not after what you did so I'm assuming that we're going to get more of Jack's <laughs> flashbacks yeah. here otherwise we don't know what Jack did yes there there are I think uh there's like two more Jack episodes this season okay uh, we'll definitely see more of Jack so I I'm just trying to speculate a little bit on what he may have done I I can I can't imagine what he would have what he could have done or would have done to make his mother feel this way because his mother clearly is blaming jack for his father leaving yeah and he seems to be in a really bad place she's saying he can't take care of himself and what's what's really polarizing about it is we've spoken about his like you know or savior complex and he doesn't want to save his dad right he'll save anyone else but not his dad he doesn't really want to he really does not want to save his dad. He's like, no, don't want to. Not about that. But eventually, I mean, he does cave in eventually, and he does go to Australia. When they say those magical words, he's in Australia. You know? Yeah. By the way, Australia plays a key role in the leftovers as well. Yes, you've told me this. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see. Oh, that that's not until season three. So don't hold. I'm breath. still waiting. Then okay, I'll have to yeah, wait a little you'll longer. Be waiting for a while. <laughs> okay, Dick. But so he when he before the flashback scene, he starts to follow his father into the woods, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, that is the representation of the white rabbit that is going to come up later. And John Locke's going to explain the white rabbit. But we know we of course know that the white rabbit is a character from Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland sees the white rabbit, uh, trying to is late for a very important date, jumps down this rabbit hole, and Alice follows the white rabbit into the rabbit hole and ends up in wonderland so this is why this title is white rabbit i'm assuming that because jack sees his father follows his father into the jungle and we all know what the jungle is well (laughs) Well, we actually know nothing about what the jungle is yeah we don't but but he kind of ends up in wonderland in the end and uh, we can talk about that later yep well I guess we can quickly talk about what are your thoughts on this episode title in terms of uh, Damon, uh, Damon Lindelof's work. <laughs> what do you think of this yeah, title Yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of... Knowing what the title was and knowing what Jack saw last week, I kind of assumed that his father's figure was going to lead Jack into the jungle and so that his father would be representing the right white rabbit here. So it wasn't a surprise to me and, and certainly... Mm-hmm. I think 
one of the things that's interesting in watching Lost and watching The Leftovers is that Lindelof seems seems a lot more willing to almost spoon feed the audience in Lost. Yeah, he has some real cryptic stuff in The Leftovers. <laughs> yeah, The Leftovers, you got to really work for to uh, to get the full meaning of stuff. And I think that you can fully enjoy The Leftovers if even if you don't get the meaning of that stuff. Uh, but if you if you do the work the your level it takes it to the next level and i think i'm thinking uh from your experience i'm thinking about um the episode the matt centric episode of the leftovers where there's a painting of job on the wall and nobody knows who job is but that's do and they put it out there <laughs> and then people start re- researching job and you realize oh my god matt is job it's the same story it's, and it's brilliant it's amazing this is this i feel like the white rabbit bit would not have been overtly stated by a character in the leftovers. Yeah, I, I, I don't think Locke had to go out and just say the white rabbit line and whatnot. I, I think it would have been better if he just left it as is. Right. Uh, I think that, that Damon Lindelof had, has matured over time to uh, gain a respect for his audience and and understand that we're willing to put in the mental work to figure stuff out. That's a nice way of putting it. Or he just likes being sneakier about it. You know? uh, maybe. I, th- that's a possibility, <laughs> but I don't think so. The interviews that I've heard from him lead me to believe that he was criticized a lot for exposition on Lost. Mm-hmm. And he incorporate he, in Watchmen, he actually incorporates that as a joke uh, about passive-aggressive exposition. But anyway, uh I don't want to talk too much about that right now because maybe we'll do that another day. But, but anyway, I think that I like the title of white rabbit. I think that I would have preferred that nobody said it. And then I, you know why I would have preferred it. It would have made me feel smarter. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 It felt so great. when I was like, ah, I know it. I, I, I said in the very beginning, I was so happy when I knew what it was. Yep. And then when Locke said it, it made me so sad. I, I thought I was part of a special elite group of individuals. Yeah, exactly. Like Mensa level, but instead <laughs> now I'm with the common folk. I'm just yeah, not that special anymore. So that's what it is. Oh dear. Okay. Anyway, we can move on. Yeah. So we see him. Claire passes out. Poor pregnant Claire. But even more important. Well, I shouldn't say even more importantly, but you know, kind of. The water is gone. Someone has stole the remaining water. Yep, and you know they get worried. Jack's missing, so as we touched about earlier, they kind of defer leadership. They talk to Saeed and Locke. They're like, "What do we do? There's no water. What are we supposed to do?" And Locke, being the survivalist he is, still a contest between Saeed and Locke, in my opinion, who's the better survivalist, right? Locke, he's better with he's he's in tune with nature, but Saeed, he's got you know the other experience needed. He's got the communication yeah. skills and whatnot, organizational Locke. He's like a solo guy. And he says he's going in there to get some water for Claire. Okay. So John Locke in back-to-back episodes. I'll go get the food. Yeah. I'll go get the water. Yeah. So I will, we'll talk about this more later because at the end of our, our Leftovers episode, uh, well, I guess in the order that these come out in, you would have already heard that. <laughs> that, oh yeah <laughs> that uh i i we're gonna do a little comparison between matt jameson reverend matt jameson from the leftovers and john locke from lost but and we'll talk about this a little bit more there but it seems to me as though john locke 
is is very willing to put his life on the line to go out and procure resources for the group. Uh, now, I don't know if that's because he just likes using his new legs <laughs> or if it's because he, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say he wants Jack's job, but I think that there's something, there, there's, that's not nothing. I think there's something there that he kind of likes being the savior. I, I would say... I don't think he really wants Jack's job, but I do think he wants sway in like the. I, I think he wants people to look up to him, and to yeah. see him as like a figurehead. But I don't know if he wants Jack's job because you know later in the episode, what he says to Jack, to me indicates he's not trying to steal his job, or at least if he is, he's playing the real long game here. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a good point. So anyway, but the greatest man in the world, Locke. I'll mm-hmm. go get a swatter. Don't worry, everyone locks on the case he starts going jack's still in the woods running around looking at his dad and we see another flashback and it's uh in the hotel room of his dad when jack arrives to australia and we just see uh his dad's been how long has his dad uh not been there for Uh, i actually don't remember i don't know i was like three days his mom said two months but i don't know how long he's out of the hotel room for right but substantial amount of time substantial amount of time and suffice to say he looks like he's really into drugs whether he has prescription drugs that he's supposed to take but he had a lot of prescription drugs there uh yeah. alcohol was there i mean that's fine have alcohol but it seems like he has some sort of substance abuse problem by the way uh jack oh, yeah, and absolutely. his mom were talking about it and the hotel manager the state he was in he would say uh yep. no one would help him and Jack seemed to get really defensive uh, for his dad when the hotel manager kind of criticized him. He talked about he's like the chief of surgery, chief surgeon, something yep. to that degree. Yep. Which surprised me that he was defensive about his dad after like all this, you know, I, yeah, I don't want to go after him. I don't, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. don't like him. But then he gets really defensive about him when the hotel manager kind of starts talking down on him. So I think the part of this is just the classic daddy issue thing that, <laughs> that you're you're always everybody's always seeking the approval of their father for better or worse it's just the way it is uh, <laughs> it's yeah. this is a very obscure probably direct i think it was direct to video movie but have you ever seen cronk's new groove no i've no wait have you ever seen the emperor's new groove yes 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 i've seen the emperor's new groove. You, you know cronk from the Emperor's New Groove. I sh- I remember the Emperor because I was so young. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, there's a character named Kronk, and he gets his own spinoff movie that I believe was directed. Is, is he, like, the big strong one? Yeah. Yes, yeah. okay, I remember what he... <laughs> and, and the whole movie is about him seeking the big thumbs up from Poppy. So, <laughs> so this is... I mean, it's an oversimplification, but I think, in general, people whose fathers are so critical of them when they're young spend a big chunk of their adult life trying to please their fathers and and get that sign of approval from them so i think that there's some of that manifested here in jack's defensiveness but then i think the other part of it is and and maybe i'm grasping at straws here because i don't i don't know where that where it goes from here but the first thing we see of jack on the airplane is him asking for more alcohol. So I'm wondering if Jack doesn't have a little bit of a drinking problem also. Yeah, I remember you said that from the first episode you were talking about, oh, maybe... He hasn't... <laughs> now, made that 
could be why he isn't sleeping, why he's hallucinating, because maybe he's having withdrawal symptoms. Who knows? But uh, and I don't know. Again, this this may be nothing, but I think there there might be some shred of similarity there that he's getting a little defensive about his father because he's defending himself to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they didn't really. So yeah, so far they haven't really um gone into any drinking problems yet. By the way, I don't know if we knew this before, but the person in the hotel room, the employee, says Jack's last name here. Mm-hmm. Shepard. Mm-hmm. Shepard, yeah. So that's a little on the nose as well. <laughs> you know, Shepard is, is one who tends the flock and makes sure <laughs> nothing happens to the sheep. <laughs> wow. He certainly slid into that role. So. He's a good shepherd. Uh, yep. I don't know if they said his name before. I'm not sure if they have, but this this is another example of something that's pretty on the nose here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Great name for him. Good work. Good work, Dad. He was. I guess they didn't. You know. Great last name. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh. So we come back to the present time. Uh. Jack's still chasing his dad, and then he does the. Like then they do like the commercial thing. Like so he trips down, falls, falls, falls. Somehow, by the way, Jack should have died, okay? he He's falling pretty quick, it looks like. But he somehow manages to grab this vine and, like, stop himself from just plummeting. It would probably be his death. Whatever. Grabs the vine. Fade to black. So, what a problem. Yeah, this, like a, this you know, I was... I hated it laughing. so much. I was this, laughing out loud. I, I was so angry during this. I was like, what? This is such, like... They're just... They're like, you know what? There hasn't really been any real action lately yeah there hasn't you want to just have jack fall down and almost die yeah let's do that and then just that's all it just like they could they could have at least had like a boar or like an animal chase jack let's just you know they could, they could have done so many different things to make jack in a dangerous situation but instead it's just he trips and he almost falls off a cliff so. so i i was laughing hysterically at this because it was a literal cliffhanger <laughs> I mean, literal so uh, the only thing the only hope i have for this is that they were sitting in the writer's room and said oh wouldn't it be really funny if our cut to commercial was literally a guy hanging from a cliff a cliffhanger and <laughs> and they just decided to incorporate it as a joke but if it wasn't a joke if this is a non-ironic guy hanging from a cliff then it's it's a little disappointing <laughs> They're like, you won't. Oh, I will add it in the... <laughs> it's all in a dare. I respect it then. Yeah. Ah, terrible. But Locke saves Jack. So, by the way, if he was trying to take his leadership role, so they just dropped him, shouldn't he? Okay, I don't... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I don't think that's the right play either. Yeah, let, we'll come back to that later. I don't, I, I don't want to give the impression that I think Locke is going to have a coup against Jack. Uh, I think there's just a, a level of envy of what Jack has that Locke wants. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Locke wants power. I can see that. I see Locke wanting more power. But I don't know if it's so much power as it is esteem. <laughs> Being the head honcho, people looking up to him. I think that's what it is. It's, it's, it's people's opinion of him. Everybody loves Jack. Everybody wants him to lead. I think oh. John, wants people to feel that way about him i don't think he wants to get rid of jack i think that he wants people to feel that way yeah i, I understand that I, th- I think that's probably okay a lot definitely cares about how people think about him yes and, and i do want to talk more about that later because that the scene with the two of them 
is my favorite scene in the episode. And, I agree. Yeah, it's... it makes the whole episode for me. So let's talk more about that when we get there, and we'll mm-hmm. finish okay. this, finish some other stuff. First. Yeah. So before we get there, we we, we cut back to the beach where, this, where most of uh, the crew is, and we see a little Charlie and Claire chat. You know, seem to be doing pretty well. And yeah. um, Claire asks Charlie if. He thinks they're going to be rescued soon. And Charlie says, yes, I do. Now, Char- listen, Charlie was there for the radio. Yep. And he was there for the pilot. Charlie knows they're not going to get rescued soon. I mean, or he's, 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 he's seen a lot of reasons to believe he's not going to get rescued soon. Claire has not. Claire has not been to any of those. So we're kind of seeing someone that has all the background information. Claire, who does not. So this and was, Charlie's probably lying. I, I don't know if maybe he really does feel that way, but I feel like Charlie's just lying to Claire to make her feel better. Yeah, th- I think this goes back to the scene around the campfire in episode two, I think, maybe? Uh, maybe three? It was the beginning of three. Two okay, is when they okay, saw yeah. the radio. Right, the radio and, and the idea that you don't want to take people's hope away because it's very dangerous to take hope away from people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's this pregnant woman who just passed out that's probably the last person you want to take hope away from. Oh, certainly, certainly. So, and now, do you think their interactions here are innocent or flirtatious? Flirtatious. Certainly, from Charlie's perspective. <laughs> yeah. Flirtatious. Charlie, Charlie tried flirting with Shannon too. Oh, yes, he did. So well, <laughs> I mean, that was. I felt bad for Charlie in that way. Um, I don't feel bad for Charlie here. I think that, I, but I definitely think he was flirting with her. I'm not so sure she was flirting with him. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I, I think I think she was, I think she was as well. Okay, all right. I think so. I loved what she. Yes, I want to ask you about this. When she says, "Oh, you look me in the eye," uh, most people don't. Yeah, they think I'm a time bomb of responsibility. Yes, waiting to explode. (laughs) I loved that line because that is really probably exactly how people perceive her that's how all the viewers are looking at her i know i'm you're looking at her like eventually something is going to happen with this pregnancy right whether yes. something wrong happens or you know she has the baby and you know because eventually she's very pregnant so yes <laughs> only a matter so of time. that that line was fantastic and, and really good and really cool and i certainly can understand why she would feel a connection to charlie because he's looking her in the eye because he's not at least outwardly expressing that mm-hmm. yeah by the way we I, I was think at some point we need to do a little deep dive into charlie's tattoos because i want to know what they all mean so <laughs> he's got one he's well he's got he's got the 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 tape tattoos on his fingers that say late but i don't remember what his fingers this would be so easy to go back and look at i should go back and figure out what charlie's tattoos were on his fingers before they said late anyway <laughs> Uh, but now we see another one on his shoulder that says "Living is easy with eyes closed." Oh, really? I didn't notice that one. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I pay attention to these things. <laughs> you are. It was prominently displayed. If they if they didn't want us to read it, they would have covered it up. I I can't be bothered to read. <laughs> anyway, so someday we'll we'll have to look into his tattoos. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by. It. Charlie's a very interesting character, and uh, he gets his own limelight. He's a pretty big character, I guess, overall. And you know, most of these characters get their own um, episode the first season. So, well, as I said before, he was the probably the most known actor 
in this whole ensemble at that time. Well, yes, because he was part of uh, Lord, Lord of Rings. Ring. Yeah. 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 So. Anyway, let's move on. So, uh, then still at the beach. Uh, we get like I forget who brings it to Saeed and Kate, but um, they bring water bottle. The Quans had this right. So Saeed yep. approaches Sun. Sun doesn't know what's going on. Jin comes in looking like there's a fight. Eventually, uh, they're you know they're kind of like shaking the water bottle and whatnot around. Yeah. Uh, Jin points at Sawyer and kind of sells him out. Which Kate and well Saeed's plan mostly of let's wait until the rat goes back to his hole, figure yeah. out where stashes, and then we go after him. To which I mean. I thought we were gonna have to wait. We don't. Very next scene, <laughs> Sawyer goes to stash. <laughs> like that's that's the perfect cut for like you know you cut and you come back for from a different story. But no, they decided to give the payoff immediately, which I liked. Yeah. They just immediately goes to stash and immediately gets jumped. Uh, and it's shown that he does not have the water. Uh, and gives Kate the sheriff badge. Um. Yeah. So the uh, we find out that he didn't. He didn't have a stash of water. Those were his last two water bottles that he mm-hmm. sold to the Quans in exchange for the fish that Jin caught that day, mm-hmm. uh, which he says that food is more valuable than water right now, which mm-hmm. makes a certain degree of sense. Yeah, he gave a great reason. It rains, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so he gave a great reason. Yeah. Right. And especially after what Jack found, he's even more right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, Locke just went out to find water, too. So. There's definitely that. My my favorite part of this scene is when he tosses the badge to Kate, though. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's like, well, let's see the sheriff now. Because cause he doesn't really know the meaning of that badge to Kate. But to Kate, that badge means a lot. Probably a lot of negative thoughts for her. But it means a lot for her. You can see the look in her eyes when she gets it. Kind of, it's, yep. it's a big deal for her. It is. And, and what a significant role reversal for her. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, now she's the person looking out for the team instead of whatever her criminal life was, we still don't know what she did. And yeah. The way it is. But now we're back to your favorite scene of the episode. Oh, Jack so and Locke, good. The, the man of science and reason with the man of faith and belief, kind of. I'm so glad you framed it that way. <laughs> having a discussion. And not really arguing as much as they're just having a discussion. And Jack, you know, he says the exact phrase, uh, earlier that his dad kept telling him that he, he he's not fit to be leader he shouldn't be leader he's not fit to and yep. Locke, Locke tells him like Locke's coaxing him to be leader he's telling him people look up to you you make uh, I'm trying to say, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else he says he's coaxing him he says you know you make good decisions oh, yeah. he, he well at the end of it he ultimately says that you need to finish what you started a leader can't lead unless he knows where he's going. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the crux of his argument. But before, prior to that though, you know, he says to Jack, they need a leader. And Jack says, not me. Mm-hmm. Locke says, well, later on, Locke says, what if what you're seeing is not a hallucination? And this is the idea that, you know, Jack has spent the whole episode trying to rationalize what he's seeing chalking it up to dehydration or lack of sleep and he's clearly hallucinating this can't be real and he's the man of science trying to figure it out john locke the man of faith says to him what if 
what if it's not a hallucination? What if it is real? What if you're seeing it for a reason? Uh, and I love this juxtaposition between the two of them. By the way, I, I don't know if you know this, uh, but Jack is another uh, way of saying John. Jack, Jack is a nickname for John. Really? Yeah. So, for example, President Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, right? Uh-huh. Was frequently referred to as Jack Kennedy. That's a terrible one. Why? I, I don't know. That? It makes no sense to me, but it is <laughs> actually common for someone whose name is John to be called Jack. So th- I'm sure it's intentional that these two have similar names, right? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Jack is the man of science. John is the man of faith. Yeah. Jack does not want to lead. Clearly has said it multiple times. Doesn't want to lead. John, meanwhile, is more than willing to accept the mantle of at least going out and finding food, going out and finding water. Seems, if he's not seeking leadership, he seems very comfortable with it when it's thrust upon him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? certainly. Jack, his dominant emotions seem, seem to be shame and guilt. John is oozing with confidence. Oh yeah, he's the most confident on the island. He seems like he's invincible. He goes around the exactly right. Exactly right. He seems he, if he's not invincible, he believes himself to be invincible. Oh, certainly. I I want to ask you about the quote. I, I'm sure you wrote down this quote because this is a big deal, and I I think this refers to what he saw in the jungle of. And here's what he said: Locke, I looked into the eye of the island. Yep. And what I saw was beautiful. Yeah. What do you think he meant by that? When so we remember from yeah, it was the last episode. It was yeah. Locke saw whatever the monster was. He saw it. He certainly survived saw it. it too. It survived it too. Yeah, he did not die unscathed from the beast. But he didn't reveal what he's. He, in fact, he lied. So he didn't see the monster. But here, he he kind of drops a drops a hint on what the monster or. Even if it wasn't a monster, what he saw. So, what do you to, me, to me, I think that part of that is he knows that he was healed when he got to the island. And so I think that he is of the belief that the island performed that miracle. He says the famous line that you say is the tagline for season two, which is everything is the island is everything for a reason, right? Everything is there's a purpose behind everything. Yep. So that's yeah. true, yeah. So so if Locke believes, you know, he's at this island, it's healed his legs, it's done that for a reason. He saw this whatever it was, whether it be a monster or yep. the eye of the island, whatever you know he wants to call it, he saw that. And he, he runs on faith alone, the man of faith. Yeah. It really it it still it leads to que- it still leads to questions of what he saw though. And why oh, he and the biggest thing to it is that not the not that he saw it. And lived and whatnot, but just he saw it, but he hasn't told anyone. So I think that my take on this is he knows that the island, he he believes that the island performed this miracle, gave him his legs back. So he believes that the island is benevolent, not malignant. It's 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 helping him, not hurting him. He is here, everything he's always wanted to be. So I think that he is 
automatically going to see the island differently than anyone else because he has this positive reaction to it. He has this positive emotion attached to it. So I wonder if he survives, sees, sees the, the beast or whatever it is, survives because of the way he perceives it. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. So depending on the way you look, what your mindset is, yeah, it will be either react or even be different. Depending right. On... Right. I mean, Jack, and, and this is another point of comparison I want to make between the two of them. Jack seems to be driven by almost by fear. Mm-hmm. He, he's afraid of, of the beast. He's afraid of his past. He's afraid of his father. He's afraid of being a, of failing. He's afraid of not being worthy. John Locke is characterized by courage. I'll go into the woods and find food. I'll go into the jungle and find water. I'll look this thing in the eye and say it's beautiful. So I, I, the, that juxtaposition between fear and courage is, is incredible. Uh, Jack, his, his quote for this, for this whole episode, and so therefore really the, the series so far is <laughs> i don't have what it takes like that's that's how what how he perceives himself meanwhile john locke who has every reason to believe he doesn't have what it takes his quote is don't tell me what i can't do <laughs> right so we've got these two characters that just seem to be opposite sides of the same coin and i think that that has I, I don't know where they're going with this beast thing and they may never, never tell us what's going on. That'll, that'll very, very much frustrate me. But in the meantime, the way I'm viewing it is that because of John Locke's attitude toward the Island, viewing it as uh, the, the Island that provided the miracle of giving him his legs back because of that, he's able to survive the Island, face it with courage and think it's beautiful. I I will let you know that you you do get an answer behind the monster eventually. They don't they don't leave you hanging. Wow. Though That's... though it might be a while, but uh, well, so don't, don't hold your breath over. It. But you will get more information on the monster. They're gonna leave me hanging on the sea urchin, though, aren't they? I don't I don't want to tell you they're gonna leave you hanging, but you told me I gotta let that go last week. Yeah, but you know I could be lying to you. I'm, I I not, hope, this I is a new so. episode. I'm telling you. Maybe hang on. You know, it's only been six days. The okay, well, takes I'll tell you. Three to... there, there are two things. I actually don't need an answer to what happened to John Locke. I'll be okay with with that mystery never being revealed because I kind of am digging what I'm <laughs> what I'm setting up right now in my head. That, <laughs> that he perceives it differently and is able to face it with courage and survive because of the way he perceives the island. And, and I, I'm I'm of the opinion that there's something supernatural about the island. So that's certainly fine. there is. I, yeah. I, mean, I agree with you too. So so that's so I'm fine with that. I'm going to be really frustrated if they, if nothing ever comes to that sea urchin thing. <laughs> Mr. Sal, oh I, no! I know, I know. Uh, I will. I mean, what are there? 123 episodes. They're In episode 123, I'm still going to be saying. All right, they gotta address the sea urchin, right? Now, now this is the series finale. Sea urchin finally kicks in. Yeah, um, the other, the other, there is another thing that's gonna really frustrate me if they never address it, but we haven't gotten there yet. So yeah. let's continue. So, so we see, we see their uh, conversation. Do you want to talk any more about the conversation between Jack and Locke? Uh, I'm good with that conversation. I, I just love it, and it just really got me thinking about all of the 
um, just flip sides of each other. They are the science versus faith, fear versus courage. I don't have what it takes. Don't tell me what I can't do. Guilt versus confidence and the the willingness and desire to lead. It's 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 pretty impressive. And I love so I love these two characters together because you really get to see that juxtaposition. I definitely agree. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're so opposite yet they they're opposite, but it brings them to similar paths for the most part. You know, there's still differences, but you know, they do the yep. same things, kind of. You know, and they have the same name. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Jack John, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we so we can move on unless there's more that you want to say about that scene. No, no, I think I think we can move on from there. Uh, we get to the final flash. No, it's not the final one. My bad. Second to last flashback. And it's Jack. All it is is Jack confirming the death of his dad. So we know as the audience that he is dead. He did not die in the airplane, though he did die shortly before Jack came yes. onto the airplane. So, that's sad. Jack starts to cry by a fire, presumably he made. And then he hears a stick break. And, you know, he flings in action, grabs, like, a torch, and follows it. And he finds his wonderland. He finds this kind of cave thing, structure, whatever, with running, (laughs) I guess in a way running water, but fresh water, like a tap almost, coming down. And another wreckage. He finds... Part of uh, their plane, presumably, but yeah, he finds more wreckage pieces, and mm-hmm. he finds a coffin. So the first thought is, is his dad's coffin? Because now we uh, flashback again. Yep. We're at the airport, and Jack's getting really worked up because he wants to get his dad flown to uh, LAX so he can get him buried. And, you know, he has to get to the proper paperwork. It's going to take some time. But Jack wants to rush it, and he gives the spiel about how he needs to get this done as soon as possible. He just wants to bury him and get it over with. Right? Yeah. He just needs to do it just to get over with. Now, I'll, I'll pause there and ask you, why do you think he wants to rush it so quickly? Right? He just wants his father out of his life, do you think? Or do you think just the pain of it? I, I think that he, I think he wants – I think he had – he had put his father behind him already. It seems to me as though what did it? What was it? They hadn't spoken in two years. Two months. It was two months only, not two, two years. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Yeah, it was only two months. <laughs> oh, maybe okay. it was two years though. I... Well, it's it seems as though he he wanted to be done with his father, and his mother dragged him back into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think now he has an opportunity to to truly be done with his father, and I think that he really wants it done uh there might be more to it than that the fact that you're asking me this question leads me to believe there probably is more to it than that (laughs) but uh but that was my intention my uh my take on it was that he just needed it done for his own sake so that he could move on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i I can understand behind that we we cut back to present time and he opens it and his dad's not in the coffin so i want to ask you his dad's on the coffin what do you think that means? Like, do you think he... Okay, this is... This needs to be addressed. I need an answer to this question. <laughs> uh, if I don't get an answer to this question, then I, I'm not sure I can <laughs> recommend this series to anybody. The correct answer is that he's running around. We've seen him multiple times around the island in his suit. That's the correct answer. Okay, so the, there, as I said, there are three possibilities. Yeah. That's 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 one of them, that he's been reanimated. Yeah, that is actually uh, one. <laughs> and, and that he is somewhere on the island alive. 
okay uh which there's something supernatural about this island so if they want to go down that road i'll follow that white rabbit down that rabbit hole and i'm okay with it uh, another possible explanation is that he was never in the coffin to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. somehow uh, he was taken out of the coffin, mm-hmm. uh, that they only were transporting the coffin and not his father. Yes, yes. Okay, that's, that's another possibility. And then the third explanation, which is the man of science explanation, is that somehow the body was tossed from the coffin during the crash and the body someplace else... The, coffin's not i tend to believe that's not even on the table because the coffin was closed and it took jack some effort to open it yeah it doesn't look like he just fell out accidentally maybe something or someone moved the body but certainly not like accidentally fell out yeah i agree with it yeah so i i guess i didn't think about the possibility that he had been eaten but that seems (laughs) That seems unlikely because he's probably filled with embalming fluid. And I don't think most animals really want to eat embalming fluid. And um, on top of that, they would have probably just left the casket open. So that brings me to these original, these other two, either he has been reanimated and is walking around the Island or he was never in there in the first place. Mm -hmm. All right. That's fair. And either uh, now, Jack's reaction, I think, does give us a little bit of a hint here because his reaction is not fear. His reaction is not uh, shock. His reaction is anger, and he just beats on the coffin. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that, to me, leads me to believe that he thought his father was in the coffin, and he never was, that they, that they took him out. Yeah. They, they would not transport the body. And maybe that's why we got that scene about there are all these regulations. We can't transport the body, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he, yeah. He did look very frustrated. So, so that's the direction I'm leaning in right now. But if they want to, if they want to tell me that he's reanimated somehow, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so he's, he's cool with it. Just let him know. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. I just, I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's power. So we get back to the beach and right before Jack comes back to really, take back the mantle of leadership. We figure out uh, Boone tries to give Claire water, and it's revealed your favorite character, Boone, or one of your favorite characters, Boone, which, by the way, this episode, Boone has really lost stock for me. I don't know about you, but for me, the Boone stock kind of fell. Well, and he did steal the water. He gave his reason why. He was just sitting out there in the open, so he took it, because... I guess his mindset, if I don't take it, someone else might. So right. Better in I, my hands. I think he saw a power vacuum and said, all right, well, Jack normally would be the one doing this, but he's not here, and I'm pissed off at him anyway. Yeah. So uh, maybe I need to take charge of this situation and be the one to ration the water out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I lost – that Boone's stock dropped for me. I still like him. I st- I, and if anything, I think he's a more interesting character now. I still like him. He's just, he's not, he's not, a, I liked him more <laughs> before it. So he makes the comment of like at the very end, kind of, Oh, you're, you're at the top of the most hated list now. <laughs> Which That's probably right. Just some of the other survivors, certainly, but not me. You still have the place in my heart. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there's an, there's an element of Boone just trying to do the right thing. I don't think anything he did in this episode was done maliciously. 
Certainly, but he still he still caused damage or at least anger for what he did, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I don't think he didn't. He did nothing maliciously, and he only tried to do good. He tried to do the right thing. Yes. Every time, every opportunity he got, but you know, it just didn't work out. Yeah. Right, so we see Jack. He comes back. People, they're getting ready to like mob Boone. They are all so mad at Boone. But Jack comes out of the jungle, and he gives this speech of you know, you know, there's no more waiting. We can't sit here and wait. And this is where we we hopefully start seeing a turning point. Because up until this point, well, there's been some like minor surviving things they do. Right? They have like some of their mini shelters. And, you know, they make fires and whatnot, and they get some food. They're mostly just waiting, right? Their whole plan is, let's wait, get saved, hopefully. Yep. Do this. And, you know, a minority of them know that's probably not going to happen, at least not for a while. But this is where Jack really tells everyone, listen, no more waiting. We got to, you know, survive and organize to make sure we can live here for probably a while. And he also tells them, tomorrow, I we can send a team out, get water. I found this water. No need to worry about it anymore. So Sawyer's logic paid off. He's probably loving it. All the water oh, yeah. trading he probably did. Oh yeah. The 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 value of water has now dropped. But <laughs> what? So what do you think about Jack's heroic? I I, I mean I guess if I, I I would call this one kind of I don't know about heroic. This speech is his well, leadership speech when he when he yeah comes I think in, this is a representation symbolic of him accepting the mantle of leader. Mm-hmm. If they're gonna look at me like I'm a leader, I need to actually do it. And he gives the speech, basically telling them that they live here now, and they need to figure out how to do that. Which is borrowing a episode title from season two of The Leftovers, by the way, which is "I live here now." What <laughs> <laughs> so, a reference! Oh yes, so uh, I think that that he is recognized that they need to they need to view this as how do we live here rather than how do we escape here mm-hmm. exactly and I, and I also think that it's it's him accepting the leadership mantle yeah yeah and um last thing we see really in the episode is jack and kate chat and jack just confesses his dad's death it's, it kind of it kind of explains to kate like you know he's in the same way Rose has been grieving because of her um, Bernard's death. I mean, she still thinks he's alive, but, you know, it's yeah. probable death. And Jack also has suffered a death pretty recently. I mean, even in the airport, he was still really stressed out about this. So yep. it's probably still on his head a lot. So uh, another guilty conscious. Conscious. I'm not going to try to say the word anymore, but another another guilty individual and lost. I want to ask you for the entire episode, it's called white rabbit. Alice Wonderland finding him. The not correct me if I'm wrong, but the white rabbit purposely tries to get Alice to come to the wonderland, right? You know, I'm not familiar enough with Alice in Wonderland Mm. to to comment on that. In the Disney cartoon, I don't think that's the case, but it possibly is. Uh, in the actual, uh, I I always thought of it as the rabbit was purposely doing it. But e- even if in Alice in Wonderland it was not, do you think this this mirage he sees of his dad, whether it's him hallucinating, it's the island making him see things, it's whatever have you, do you think it led him purposefully to this Wonderland, this water they really need, and maybe more supplies? 
So are you asking me, am I a man of science or a man of faith in this case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think this is just coincidence that yeah, okay. you're just following it? So I know that John Locke would say that this is divine intervention, that there there was something leading him to this water. He told and him I, to follow it. Yeah, he told him, keep, yes, keep following. Exactly. And I know that Jack would probably say this is coincidence. Mm -hmm. So uh, I and I love that you can't categorically say one or the other, but given what I know about this island, that does seem to be, there does seem to be a supernatural element to it. Uh, I'm going to lean on the side of not entirely, but just lean toward something led him there. Yeah. I, I would agree. I, I would think it's more, um, I'm more in the fate. I would be on the lock side of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always going to be the lock side of that. <laughs> lock is pretty cool. You got, you got to love lock. Actually, uh, I enjoyed John Locke in this episode even more than last episode, which was the John Locke episode. Really? I I loved this campfire scene. <laughs> loved it. Uh, Between Jack and John. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's a good heart-to-heart. -heart. It's real good. I loved mean, it. So is both their characters great contrast but do, do you have anything else like episode wide uh i am good on the episode uh i do want to do our little lost in the leftovers lost in the leftovers but, but i think as far as the episode goes i'm I'm good here so do you want this to be i guess we'll include episode f i don't want to get too much into episode five because we haven't really of, of the leftovers of, of the leftovers because we haven't recorded that yet I guess, so I guess I yeah, I don't think we need to get too far into it. Okay, Let's... okay, we're just going to talk about, so for those of you uh, that don't know, we obviously, we do The Lost and uh, this podcast, well, I mean, we do The Leftovers and this podcast, Lost, uh, so what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about the main character, I guess, definitely is the main character if you had to pick one from sure. The Leftovers, uh, Kevin Garvey, and yep. Jack Shepard here, and we're going to just analyze them, because they share a lot of commonalities uh, some differences, just some, you know, some tangentials between the two, and yes. I think I think yeah, Mr. Sal brought it up to talk about it, but I, I agree that there's definitely some things between the two that I would love to talk about. So Sounds I guess good. this is your uh, this is I, we don't really go into hard spoiler warnings for the leftovers on uh, the Lost podcast and vice versa, but here there'll probably be more hard spoilers. So probably yeah. So there you go. Be weary starting now. If if, if and. Yeah, there you go. Starting now, here you go. So, wh what do you want to talk about? Wh what jumps out to you first between Kevin? So, I, I've been thinking about these two characters and kind of thinking of a Venn diagram of them. You know, <laughs> Kevin Garvey on one side and Jack Shepard on the other. And the, there's a lot of overlap, but then there are some places where they're very, very different too. Uh -huh. So, the the where they overlap, it seems to me, they both seem like they're men of science trying to prove whatever it is that they feel like they need to prove you know jack uh is is going to try to prove that he's hallucinating by saying that he's dehydrated or that he is lacking sleep kevin is going to prove that he actually did put the bagels in the toaster by taking the toaster <laughs> apart yeah right or well even more than that actually but the the idea that the the guy the mystery man was at his door with the beer and jill took the beer and asked who was at the door and kevin you kind of use that as evidence and we see kevin go through episodes where he's the, the most recent episode that we covered uh well 
sorry, episode four, uh, BJ and the AC, he spent the whole time trying to figure out, basically trying to uh, prove that his daughter had stolen the baby Jesus from the nativity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's always trying to prove stuff. Jack's always trying to prove stuff. So there's that overlap. Anything you want to add about that? In terms of proofs, uh, since both shows have a commonality of faith versus science, yeah. And in those terms, uh, they're both on the science reason side of things, right? They stand in that camp. Yes. Okay. Uh, now that, go ahead. Uh, uh, that's yeah. Uh, they both. Oh, I lost my train of thought. They yeah. They they both struggle with claims of insanity. Uh, yeah, we see Jack with the his father chasing him down. Uh, that's that's about all we see for Jack really in terms of that. There, there's some like minor glimpses. Kevin, we see a lot more different ones like the Mystery Man for some time. The right, and I think, the Beagle. I think that point more than anything is what kind of, what kind of drew me to want to connect these two because we see in these episodes the episode five that we're covering this week we see this manifested so much in Jack's father that he seems to be seeing someone, but he doesn't believe that that person's actually there. And so he's trying to prove or disprove it uh, by talking about his, his dehydration or lack of sleep. Right. Uh, Kevin, meanwhile, thinks he might be going crazy, thinks he might be seeing someone, this mystery man. He had a, a couple episodes ago, actually I think it was episode two, uh, he had went to see his father and ask him about how he knew when he was going crazy. Uh, and yeah. so there's clearly a struggle with both of these two that they think there's a possibility they may not be in full perception of reality. Yes, they both. Yes, they both struggle with people thinking that they are going crazy, and even and even they worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Jack talked about it with Locke this episode, and Kevin multiple times. You can see the worry on his face. Yeah, and talking about it with his dad. Another thing uh, I'd like to go into is so you you can try. I mean, people call people good and bad and whatnot, and you know, people are on a spectrum, and we we like usually in this day and age more like morally questionable good guys even right yep. like they do good things but they also do bad things yep and in this case kevin is definitely the more questionably uh good guy but i would rate both of them as good people they try to help people uh despite what it will do for them right like kevin yes uh we see him especially in the latest episode of episode five we see him trying to help the gr when no one else wants, like he stands up for their rights, kind of. Even though yeah. he sometimes, but he he does stand up for them. He he has a line where he's like, "No, they're people. We don't want to like, you know, do anything to them or anything." Yeah, he says, "I'm the only person sticking up for you. People who won't even talk to me." Yeah, <laughs> basically. Uh, so we, I, and I definitely agree with you. This is one point where I think that they are different. This is, this is not an area of overlap on the Venn diagram. Jack, uh, I actually have written here as a question. Is he flawed? I'm I'm not (laughs) not sure that we've seen a flaw in him yet. But I think, I think that's where his flaws come from him trying to be flawless, right? That I think that's where Jack's flaws come from. Like the, like the Marshall, right? I think most people unequivocally would say Jack, Jack went too far with the Marshall trying to save his life. Okay, I, I maybe I think okay. I think practically yes, and I and I agree he went too far. 
But if I'm him and trying to be, to make the most moral decision I can make, I'm not sure I can say that anymore. So I think that Jack always has what's the moral thing to do in the front of his mind. So when we talk about Jack's flaws, I think they're more like tragic flaws. Like mm-hmm. he cares too much yes. or, you know, they're not, they're not actual flaws they, 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 they're by like the events around him and whatnot. Right. They're flaws that could lead to problems, but they aren't flaws in his character. I think he's all, he actually literally is always trying to do the right thing. Even if it means, uh, you know, sacrificing himself in order to do the right thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Kevin, on the other hand, is clearly flawed. He's, yeah. he's someone who's going to flash his badge to buy more alcohol when he's already drunk <laughs> and won't sell him the alcohol. You know, he's someone who's going to like bully his way into the laundromat to get the, to get his, what yeah. he perceives as the, you know, his yeah, robbed nice. shirts, you know? So, uh, it's, so he is clearly flawed. You know, he, didn't he, no, he, he never, oh yeah. He beat up the GR member in, in the first episode right to yeah get, he punched him the guy got up. looks back in at the end but yeah, yeah he so, came up and punched him yeah so we know that he was having no we don't we don't know that yet hold on i'm gonna stop there <laughs> yeah we saw him drunk driving uh yep yep so it, yeah it is also it, uh, the school uh they're not in the property but he says you know what our word versus theirs exactly him anyway he does he, he certainly does many more questionable and downright wrong things to do like you should not drink and drive there's no reason for him to do it Absolutely. No reason for he did say I, I i caught myself I, I stopped saying it but now i'm remembering that he did say that he had an affair right? yes he did yeah, yeah he so, said it to Nora, yeah. so he is clearly flawed oh yeah he, he definitely does not always make the moral decision which is what i think makes kevin a much more interesting character mm-hmm. than jack i agree yeah oh uh so the other th- the area of overlap that I see is they both have so- a very complicated relationship with their father. Okay, that's right? that's fair enough. I I am curious to know more about Kevin's relationship with his father because yes, uh, unless I'm the one episode. I know you said you know he, he, we see him some more and we learn about him more. Uh, yeah. yeah, and and it is a little tricky to say that right now, but we, mm-hmm. what we do know is that he hasn't been to visit his father in quite some time. Yes, because that was the one, yeah. Yeah. So, and meanwhile, we know all about Jack's <laughs> issues with his father, saying that he uh, doesn't have what it takes to save people and so forth. Daddy issues, as, as per, Daddy, the, as per yeah. the North. Yep. Uh, uh, and then the other area where I think that there there isn't an overlap is, and this is what, this is where I see some, some growth in Damon Lindelof's work because I think that he he may have recognized that Jack maybe seemed a little too perfect uh and when he made Kevin a character he was careful not to make him perfect careful to make him flawed mm-hmm. and I think that that adds a lot of layers to the character that make the character a lot more interesting uh, and the, one of the big ones that I'm thinking about now is that we know in Jack's case, people trust him. People look to him. People are turning to him. But do people trust Kevin? I, 
in the latest episode, we can even see him, his fellow cop, not doesn't usurp him, but goes past his uh, chief officer to call in the feds. Yeah. Something. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And um, more things with like he he has he he did earlier like episode one or two. It was he had, like some issues with the mayor. They seem to be on better pages now than when than the beginning, but. Yeah, I, and we can talk more of that about. Yeah, we have more. talked more about that. Well, yeah, you guys already heard us talk about that. We mean yes. <laughs> yes, but but the point here is that I think there's a lot of similarity. You know, they're both men of science. They both kind of think they're crazy. They both have complicated relationships with their fathers. They're both you know the the, the as close to a main character as you're going to get in ensemble casts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but where Jack is clearly trusted by people. Kevin is maybe not so much and where Kevin is clearly flawed Jack is maybe not so much certainly yeah so anyway uh this episode of Lost uh went a long way toward making me more interested in the Jack character good I I thought it would I I know after I I felt the same way about Jack uh when I first saw him like this guy he's too good and then when he had the more look with the Marshall from the morally questionable stuff I'm like okay that's good, you know. His his he's getting a like a tragic hero type of tale. You know he's too good, but mm, I'm still not feeling Jack that much. But after after his first uh, backstory and bottle episode, you really see. I I like Jack more. Still not my favorite character in the world. You know, he's no Kevin Garvey, but no, he's no Kevin <laughs> Garvey for sure. And I, and I think actually, and I and I don't want to be too critical here, but I think that it's got a lot to do with the performance. Because when I think about what Jack, the character, went through in this episode and what we now know about him, uh, I should be fully on board with Jack. And I think that maybe I'm just not a big fan of the actor. Really? You don't like um, his name? Matthew? I can't remember his name now. I mean, Matthew, I think. Jack, (laughs) you don't like Jack Shepard? It's not that I don't like him. Especially when you when because we're doing this now, we're we're lining him up next to Justin Thoreau as Kevin. It just it, there's just no comparison to me. <laughs> so, okay, I really like I really like the actor that plays uh, Matthew Jack. Fox. Is his name Matthew Fox? Okay, there you go, Matthew. Yeah, yeah I know. I really like I really like the way I like. The, I think he shows him. He if if Jack is not supposed to have flaws, he shows it well. In terms of the way he makes decisions, I don't know. I guess I just like the character. I guess this is more yeah. like a personal thing. Yeah, I definitely am more interested in the character now. So that's good. That's good. That's glad to hear. Yeah, that's always a great thing to hear. Uh, anything else, comparison-wise, between nope. the two? I'm good. How about you? Uh, I'm trying to think if I can think of anything. Uh, nothing pops into my head immediately. So I guess that's it for the um, episode itself and for the quick. Getting lost in the leftovers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A, a segment that uh, you already heard in earlier uh, week's episode with the uh, Reverend Matt and with um, John, John Locke. Locke. Mm-hmm. That was a great discussion we had. That that point we made about them both being faith based, great. Yeah. <laughs> but I said it better than you did. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, yeah. If you want to email us for any feedback, showhopperspodcast at gmail.com. Beside that, uh, next week, we'll have another episode as always. I'm Kurt. He's Mr. Sal. And uh, thank you for listening. Bye.